Shining the spotlight on the future of hockey. Hey, it's Ty Smith of the Spokane Chiefs. It's Adam Bocas. Hey, it's Joe Valeno from the Drummondville Voltageurs. Hey, it's Quinn Hughes from the University of Michigan. Hi, I'm Dominic Fox. I'm Jacob Bernard Docker of the Oak Hills Oilers. It's Joe O'Brien. Hi, it's Barrett Hayden of the Sioux Greyhounds. Brady Kachuk from the Boston University Terriers. Major Junior. In the 100th year of the Memorial Cup, the Ankeny Panthers T-Tall have won it for the first time. NCAA. Everybody in that Bulldog section's on their feet. The bench is ready to party as the UMD Bulldogs are back-to-back national champions. The World Juniors. Time winding down, and Finland has won the World Junior Championship in Vancouver in spectacular style. The NHL Draft. The Buffalo Sabres are proud to select Trollunda defenseman Rasmus Dahlin. And more. Oh, yes! Oh, my goodness. We're not going home yet, baby! This is the Pipeline Show. Here we go. Welcome to the Pipeline Show. My name is Guy Flaming. Let's get right to it. And uh, the question of the day I threw up on Twitter earlier this morning. It's in respect to uh, the buzz being generated by some prospects. Uh, We're a couple of months now from the NHL draft, but looking over the past two weeks, we've got the World U18 going on, playoffs in the CHL and the USHL, uh, the Frozen Four just wrapping up as well. I pinpointed uh, three players, put them up in a poll, and asked who has seen the biggest bump in um, interest, the buzz growing for these particular players over the last couple of weeks. And uh, the names I put up, uh, Cole Caulfield, who's uh, having a ridiculously good World U18 tournament, Uh, Defenseman Bowen Byram of the Vancouver Giants. The Giants now into the WHL final. And Roddy Adderd of uh, the Tri-City Storm, who was named both the Defenseman of the Year and the Player of the Year in the USHL. Those are the three names I put up. I also left the uh, fourth option of other uh, there in case somebody else had a different name that uh, they wanted to uh, add to the mix. And uh, one person has. That would be uh, Rowdy Van Grieken, who says, uh, I think Alex Turcotte is getting more and more recognition. If you want to uh, get involved in the conversation, go to Twitter, at TPS underscore Guy is where you can find me on Twitter. And it is a Twitter poll for the question of the day. Question of the day is brought to you by the Edmonton Oil Kings, who are returning home after a loss last night in Prince Albert. That's in Game 5. Game 6 goes tomorrow. It's a 2 o'clock start in Edmonton. If you don't got your tickets yet, you better get to oilkings.ca and uh, get to the rink. Expect a big crowd tomorrow. Could potentially be the last uh, Oil Kings game this year at Rogers Place. They need to win two in a row against the Prince Albert Raiders. They did that earlier in this series, but their backs are up against the wall now. And that segues right to the news and notes. We'll start with that game last night in Prince Albert. The Oil Kings uh, losing 4-0 to the Raiders. Uh, And it was not a great game for the Oil Kings. It was a really good game for the Prince Albert Raiders. They dominated, I thought, for the most part. Uh, the first period, Edmonton was the better team 5-on-5, five five, badly outshot the, the Raiders when it was 5-on-5, five five, but PA had a power play chance, uh, got a bunch of shots on it, scored. But the uh, power play was definitely a story at the end of the game. Afterwards, well, Kings head coach Brad Lauer was uh, quite vocal with his displeasure of uh, uh, several non-calls uh, that were uh, allowed against his team. Uh, The Oil Kings did not get a power play opportunity in the game last night. Uh, And, of course, I watched the game, and, yes, I thought there were several times uh, when there were uh, calls on both sides that were not made. 
Uh, but no question, I thought uh, it, it's pretty rare that you can go through a game without getting a power play at all. Um, so that uh, I'm sure was something that ruffled the feathers of uh, the Oil Kings. And there were three or four times I thought, well, there's a call. Oh, no, I can't believe that was let go. Um, but that's happened throughout the series as well. And again, for both teams. So I don't think it's necessarily a vendetta that the league or the referees have against the Oil Kings. But uh, the, the refereeing to me, has been consistently uh, average at best. I think that's fair to say. The Oil Kings, uh, so they trail that series now games uh, three games to two to the Raiders, and again, game six tomorrow, that's Sunday, in Edmonton, 2 o'clock start at Rogers Place downtown Edmonton. The other WHL series has uh, wrapped up. The Giants won that series four games to one as they move past the Spokane Chiefs, so they are now patiently awaiting to see who they'll play. The Giants have uh, both Bowen Byram and Davis Kosh lead the playoffs in scoring. Byram with 18 points, Kosh with 17. Trent Miner and David Tandek both in top five uh, of goaltending in the playoffs. Not really surprised when you get to the final, you probably have pretty good goaltending. So the Giants now waiting to see whether they'll start on the road. That would be if PA advances or at home if the Oil Kings uh, are able to come back in their series. Over in the Ontario Hockey League, the uh, Ottawa 67s, well, they uh, have not lost yet in the playoffs. They await now in the OHL final. The winner between Saginaw and Guelph, the Saginaw Storm, are up 3-2, but Guelph winning at Game 5 by a score of 4 to nothing. Game 6 will be in Guelph. Very similar kind of story to uh, the last round. Saginaw winning the first two games, but uh, Guelph not going away quietly. And in the queue, one of those series is also wrapped up. That would be Ron Noranda, who uh, swept by Ramuski four games straight. They haven't lost since the opening round when they uh, had to go six games against Shawinigan. Meanwhile, Halifax and Drummondville are headed to game six. That will also be in Halifax after uh, Drummondville winning at home 6-2 to two in game five. So the Voltageur needing to win three in a row against the Memorial Cup hosts to advance uh, to the uh, final in the queue as the Royan Randa Huskies await the winner of that series. In the USHL, the conference finals get underway tonight. Uh, we'll preview that uh, coming up in a moment. The four teams that are left, the Muskegon Lumberjacks, will take on the Chicago Steel. That's in one half, and the other half, sees Sioux Falls starting on the road against the Tri-City Storm. The Storm, by the way, almost sweeping all the league awards this year. We'll touch on that in a moment as well. We'll tell you about that a little bit more in a moment, but uh, just to update you from the World U18, as I'm speaking right now, the U.S. just lost in a shootout to Russia. That's in one semifinal, so the Russians advance to the gold medal game. They'll play either Canada or Sweden. That game, for me, has not yet started yet. By the time you're hearing this, it might be done. And the U.S. obviously will play for bronze against uh, the loser between Canada and Sweden. All right, let's get to what's coming down the pipe today. The uh, guest list for today's show. We're going to start with uh, the USHL. And Ryan Wagman from McKean's uh, he's going to join me and uh, set the stage for the conference finals. We're also going to look at the playoffs up to this point and to talk a little bit about some particular players. Some of them are draft-eligible guys this year, so Ryan Wagman will be our guide to the USHL. Then it'll be an in-the-dub segment of Braden Sullivan 
from DraftGeek will stop by. The WHL's Bantam Draft goes next week on Thursday. And uh, I don't know the Bantam uh, players. Until they get to the WHL or the AJHL, for instance, the Junior A Leagues, they're off my radar. Uh, Unless it's a very rare case, like a Matthew Savoy, for example. Uh, I really don't know much about the players. I don't have time to go watch Bantam hockey. So uh, I uh, rely on uh, people like Braden, uh, who will come on the show and uh, tell us what we need to know about some of the key guys ahead of the WHL Bantam draft. Then we'll turn on the 2019 draft spotlight for a couple of segments. Luke Bass, the defenseman with the Brooks Bandits. He's on NHL Central Scouting's uh, list. We'll chat with him about wrapping up the AJHL championship in a four-game sweep, getting set for the uh, Doyle Cup. Actually, Doyle Cup uh, Game 1 went last night, and the Brooks Bandits losing that one 2 nothing to the Prince George Spruce Kings out of the BCHL. The final segment today will be with uh, Ethan Keppen. It's another 2019 draft spotlight. This one uh, by request uh, from Stephanie, who's a patron at patreon.com slash the pipeline show. Uh, Stephanie wanted to hear from Ethan Keppen of the Flint Firebirds. And here's a guy whose stock has really gone up from uh, the midterm rankings to the final rankings. He was like 110 or something. Uh, and uh, now he's uh, ranked 70, early 70s in North America by Central Scouting. So lots to like, and I had a fun conversation with Ethan Keppen. So we'll share that with you to close out uh, today's show. Don't really have a CHL insider, but if we did, that segment would be brought to you by The Store Next Door. The Store Next Door is located in uh, Yarmouth, Nova Scotia, and what they do at The Store Next Door is they uh, collect the broken hockey sticks, so whether they're wooden sticks or the composite sticks, they can uh, find a use for all of them. Uh, and they make some really cool items out of them, uh, whether it's uh, deck chairs or uh, bar stools or tabletops or um, storage bins, uh, really, some really cool stuff. Go to the store next door, check it out. You can see their catalog uh, online there for free. And if you have a way to get sticks to them and uh, collect a bunch of the sticks, they'll actually pay for the shipping if you get a significant number of sticks, like in three or 400, 500, whatever. Uh, and they will pay for the shipping. I know... Uh, Canadian Tire, one of the Canadian Tire locations uh, collected a bunch of broken sticks. Uh, they were just letting me know about that. Here in Edmonton, you can take your broken sticks to United Sport and Cycle, just south of uh, White Ave, uh, and they will they have a collection bin, and they're going to compile a, a big package and send it out there as well. Just a great way to uh, show support, and uh, really, I think it's a great what, the, what they're doing. for. It's great for their community, and I think it's a great uh, role model uh, what they're doing for helping people with uh, disabilities find employment. We don't really have a NCAA campus support segment this week, although Luke uh, Bast will be heading uh, to North Dakota, so we could turn that into the college campus support, I suppose. Uh, But if you are a person that's looking for uh, to find some clarity on the NCAA path, if if you're a player or you have a player in your family, uh, check out collegehockeyinc.com. You can get in touch with them as well and uh, ask your questions directly. Uh, to uh, Mike Snee, who's the director, or uh, Nate Ewell, who's uh, been on this show uh, several times over the last decade or so. Again, that's collegehockeyinc.com. But we will start today's show off with uh, Ryan Wagman from McKean's Hockey. We're going to look at the USHL playoffs. We'll tackle that next here on the Pipeline Show. Hey, this is Brock Besser from the Waterloo Blackhawks. 
Hey, it's Kyle Connor from Youngstown Fans. I'm Mr. Gergensen from the View Crying Sane. Hi, it's Ali Sullivan from Sioux City Musketeers. Hi, this is Ryan Patolny, former player with the Lincoln Stars. This is Cooper Marodi from the Sioux Falls Stampede. Blake McLaughlin from the Chicago Steel. Hey, this is Sam Gagne, formerly of the Sioux City Musketeers of the USHL. Hey, I'm Wade Allen from the Tri-City Storm. Hi, this is Tom Gilbert, former Chicago Steel player. Jack Curry from the Waterloo Blackhawks. It's Casey Middlestaff from the Green Bay Gamblers, and you're listening to The Pipeline Show. There's no time for mistakes, cause it's slipping away. Even though it might be easier, I won't give in now. Passion, talent, development. NCAA hockey offers all that, and its players graduate at a 90% rate. Joe Pavelski. Backhand scores! Wow, what a goal! Johnny Gaudreau. Score! And Tori Krupp were stars on campus before the NHL stage. Whether you are a fan or a player, nothing compares to college hockey. Visit collegehockeyinc.com and follow at College Hockey. Champions of the college hockey world! You're listening to The Pipeline Show with Guy Flaming. Yeah, I got bronchitis. Ain't nobody got time for that. We're back on the Pipeline Show. We're going to head south of the border and look at the USHL, get an update as the playoffs are well underway. We're a couple of rounds into the uh, USHL playoffs at this point. Uh, And uh, we're going to speak with a good friend of the show, Ryan Wagman from McKean's. Welcome back to the Pipeline Show, Ryan. Thanks for making time. How are you? I'm good, Guy. Thanks for having me on. No problem at all. And we're a bit behind in uh, the USHL playoff uh, scenario. So you'll have to bring us up to speed. I know there's only four teams left. The uh, conference finals get underway this weekend. Up to this point, any surprises that have uh, that have caught you off guard? So not so much. I mean, if you look at the um, the way the USHL playoffs works is they have four teams, one from each conference that gets a bye to kind of the second round, and teams three through six in each conference play a set of best of three um, like wild card. Um, uh, you know, rounds against one another. So, you know, in those senses, like the, those teams are going to be, generally speaking, you know, there's not a big gap between teams three and six in, in most leagues mm-hmm. or in most, uh, e- either of the conferences. Uh, looking at the standings, uh, you know, the way it ended out this year, like in the East, um, Youngstown and Dubuque were, I guess, probably the biggest upset in that Dubuque, uh, defeated Youngstown, even though Youngstown had a 13 point edge during the uh, regular season. But, it's kind of hard sometimes to say with the USHL because the USHL often brings up some uh, high school players who spent most of the year with their prep teams, but their years are finished and they sometimes come up. So Dubuque had a couple of fairly good ones join their team late in the year, such as Ryder Donovan, who we'll probably be hearing about uh, it for the draft uh, in June. Right. Uh, and Youngstown didn't really have that much of an influx of, of players. Um, you know, another thing that, that some, I guess, more casual observers of the USHL might not know is that, Team USA, the under uh, the USNTDP teams, during the regular season, they play as two different teams. There's the under-17s and the under-18s. Mm-hmm. Both of their records are combined in the standings as to one unit. And so the team finished fifth, which is most most of the wins came from the under-18s. Most of the losses came from the under-17s. They don't have the exact breakdown, but it was very stark this year. Right. Yet when it gets time to the playoffs, um, the un- if they make it, the under-18s are pretty much always by that point playing at the World Under-18 Tournament. So it's under-17s that are left kind of to, to hold the bag, and they didn't do very well against Cedar Rapids. They were beat pretty handily. Um, in the in the West, it was, again, you know, it was the two top seeds beating the two bottom seeds. 
Sioux Falls over Sioux City. The uh, actually the second deciding game, and that one went to quadruple overtime uh, before it was decided. So that was pretty cool. Um, and, and Des Moines beat Fargo. Uh, in, in the next round now, so once the first wild card round is done, then the two remaining wild card teams in each conference play the top two seeds in each conference. Right. And unlike the NHL this year, where all the top, pretty much it seems like all the top teams uh, were, were knocked out in the first round, uh, three out of the four, you know, non wild card teams survived that first round. So in the East, uh, Muskegon defeated uh, Dubuque. Um, and, and you know fairly handily, Dubuque I think won one out of uh, five games. It's a best of five the rest of the USHL playoffs. So that was ended in four. Chicago also beat Cedar Rapids in four. Uh, in the West, Tri City swept um, uh, Des Moines uh, and uh, Waterloo. Actually, the one minor upset Waterloo is defeated by Sioux Falls. But when you think about it, it's not a huge upset. That they both ended the season with third uh, with 85 points. And Waterloo just advanced as the non-wild card uh, due to the uh, the re- you know regular uh, excuse me regulation or overtime win tiebreaker. So that was a huge upset. Uh, Sioux Falls won that one in four, and now we're about to start the second round or the second full round starts tomorrow with uh, Muskegon and Chicago in the East, and uh, Tri City and um, Sioux Falls gets their series going on I believe it's Tuesday. Now, are these also best of five, or are these uh, the normal best of sevens? These are best of five. The USHL tends to go best of five. Um, you know, these, these are mostly, I guess, players who are, are for the most part, expecting to join a university, if not next year, then soon. So, you know, ac- academics are still pretty important. And uh, the arenas are not, I guess, always as available uh, as, as they might be in some of the bigger CHL uh you know, uh, uh, markets. Okay. So they they do play best of five for the rest of the uh, of the playoffs. All right. Well, between Muskegon and uh, Chicago, they were the two uh, teams that got the buys uh, through the uh, the wild card uh, round, if you want to call it that. Uh, is there a, a favorite going into that series, or is it a coin flip? Well, you know, Muskegon did have. Um, they were by far the best team in the East when you look at the entire season. Had they had an eight point gap between them and Chicago uh, for the, the the pole position. But I don't think it's quite a, as disparate a, a matchup as the points would suggest. Uh, a lot of Muskegon's success came early in the year when they just kind of ran out to a big lead and they kind of coasted a little bit the rest of the way. And also impacting their play through the, um, at least through the playoffs. And I, I wasn't even sure they would survive that first round was because uh, one of their better players, a, a young Russian forward named Daniel Gushin, is actually not available to them. He is with Russia at the World Under 18s. Mm. Um, as, as I think has been noted in the past, often with the, unlike with the CHL, where if a player's um, parent team, CHL team is still alive in the postseason, that player does not typically go to their, to represent their country at the World Under 18s. In the USHL, it's actually generally the reverse. Most players, if they are eligible and are invited to play for their country at the World Under 18s, they will leave their, um, their USHL team. It happened a couple of years ago with Andrei Svechnikov. Yeah. Um, I'm actually kind of surprised it didn't happen with Igor Afanasyev of Muskegon. And I'm, I'm hoping to inquire on that. Uh, my understanding is he, he was most likely invited. I'm going to try to confirm that when I get out to the game, one of that series tomorrow, but um, his teammate, Daniel Gushin did leave uh, and, and is in uh, Sweden right now playing for team Russia. Uh, whereas Chicago is playing at full strength. Uh, they have the best offense in the league, 
uh, outside of the under 18s, I suppose, but they have the best offense of definitely any team that's still around. Um, and if Chicago's defense can hold steady, I, I think it can be, I, I think we can see a mild upset having a Chicago going back to the finals. But Muskegon is a good team. You know, there is, as I mentioned, that you have Igor Afanasyev, who is one of the better um, draft prospects in the league, not counting the under-18s. Right. Uh, you have another player, um, a defenseman named Alex Yakovenko, who I, I just realized a few uh, weeks ago was actually is um, draft eligible, even though he's a 98 born. There is a small, I guess, loophole for players playing in North America, but who have only been here for a short while from Europe. And he, he's a very good offensive defenseman. Um, they have a good, strong all-around team. You know that they're a more veteran team, Muskegon, even without uh, even. Well, I guess Gushin's only 17, so it's not really making a big difference there. But they have a very big. Uh, they have a veteran team. Uh, Mikko Hakkarainen, who missed a lot of time this year, a Chicago draft pick, is back and playing. So that's going to be to their benefit. Um, you know, but the Steel have a lot of exciting players too. I mean, they have a good offense for a reason. One of my favorite prospects to watch this year in the league was uh, Robert Master Simone. Mm-hmm. Um, I think he was on your show a few months ago. Yep. Uh, he's just a very like a high-energy player. Reminds me a lot of a Robbie Fabry back in his draft year. Uh, makes a lot of things happen. Uh, they have the league's leading uh, point-getter in uh, Nick Abrazizi. I think I'm pronouncing that right. Um, he's a, He'll be a third-year eligible player. And I know some scouts think he could get drafted this year, too. Um, they can score from the blue line as well. I mean, we'll be seeing a guy like uh, Owen Power. He's, I think, only a 2000 and. 21 eligible, if I'm not mistaken, but he's a massive kid from uh, from the Toronto area who's playing in Chicago, and after a slow start to the year, has really started to turn things on. Um, so I think it's going to be a good hard-fought series. I think we're going to see a lot of goals, and if Chicago's goaltending, which has been a bit rough at times this year, can hold up, we could see the mild upset there. Okay. On the other side of the bracket, uh, in the other uh, Western Conference final, the uh, Tri-City Storm and the Sioux Falls Stampede will uh, collide, uh, and uh, the winner will, will advance to the uh, league championship. Uh, between those two teams, is there much to pick from? Well, yeah, there is. I mean, if you look at you know the the sta- and the standings, there's again about ten points that separate the two in the regular season. But if you dig a little bit deeper, both teams are very good goals, um, offensive teams, slight, just a little bit behind what Chicago is doing in the in the East. But defensively, you see a huge gap. Tri-City was by far the best defensive team in the league this year. Mm. Uh, part of that is goaltending, where you have uh, Isaiah Seville, who is a, just a fantastic athletic netminder. I think one of the top three or four goalies available in the draft this year. Um, not, not, I think not that far off a guy like Spencer Knight, but Seville is a little bit on the smaller side. I think he's only about six foot six one or so, but just a fantastic netminder. And they have just a great deal of um, of strength on the blue line. Uh, a player like uh, who was the league, I guess they call it the uh, most most valuable player, not the most. Um, the, the, I forget the, the, the term they use, but basically the league MVP, uh, Ronnie Adder, a goalie who scored about 30 goals this year, uh, which is fantastic in any league. Uh, but he, he's a it's a third year eligible blue liner. He's going to be going to Western Michigan next year. He put up about 30 goals. He's a good skater. He's big he's got a big shot and he knows when to use it also in the blue line there's a league rookie of the year uh, zach jones um seville i mentioned was the league's goalie of the year i think they they pretty much swept the yep. league awards other than top forward which went to bobby brink mm-hmm. uh who is the one uh, non-us ntdt player playing with uh, team usa up in uh, sweden right now um so tri-city is just a fantastically uh like a fantastic shutdown team uh they're they're also very physical 
you know, they don't get a lot of penalties, but they, they just know how to really physically shut down opposing players. And the league, the USHL is not a very physical league, and I think that aspect of their game has really helped them stand out this year. On the other hand, we have a team like Sioux Falls, who they're a very good team as well. Um, you know, the goaltending isn't quite that same level, and that's, I think, going to be the big, the big edge for Tri-City. But they have a lot of talented players. You're looking at guys like Ryan Johnson, a uh, really good puck-moving defenseman, very good skater. Um, another uh, second-year eligible draft guy in uh, Max Crozier, who I believe is from Alberta. Um, he uh, a very fast, really, really kind of offensively aggressive defenseman. Uh, some talented forwards like uh, Ethan Phillips missed a few games towards the end, so I don't know what his health status is, but if he's there, he kind of adds a dynamic element on a smaller frame. Uh, it's like Anthony Romano is kind of a do-it-all center. I really like Andre Lee. He's a big Swedish left winger who's um, he's kind of just a really rangy, really quick power forward who sometimes shows his hand, but more often is, plays kind of a, a plugger, you know, mule, puck retrieval type of role, but he's a lot of fun to watch. So I, I think Sioux Falls could make it interesting, but I also really wouldn't be surprised if Tri-Swiss City just ran to the finals in three or four games. All right, Ryan Wagman from McKean's uh, bringing us up to speed on what's happening in the USHL playoffs. We'll touch on uh, the awards again. As you mentioned, it was almost a complete sweep for the Tri-City Storm with uh, Ronnie Adder getting the Player of the Year and the Defenseman of the Year. Isaiah Seville, Goalie of the Year. Rookie of the Year goes to Zach Jones. And just Bobby Brink, uh, the lone uh, non-Tri-City Storm player to get an award as uh, Forward of the Year plays for the Sioux City Musketeers. Um, maybe touch on Bobby Brink a bit. I, I've tried to get him on the show a few times, but never just just didn't haven't uh, seemed to have been able to find a, a, an availability with him just yet. What kind of a player is he? You know, he's a really interesting player. I was I was trying to consider the way we do things at McKean's is kind of we put um, grades on a number of different aspects of a player's game in terms of how we project it to go. So you know, skating and the shot and puck skills, IQ, physicality, um, and and that allows us to kind of compare apples to apples across the, the hockey world. And, you know, Brink is a player, he, he's not a very quick player. Like, his skating, I think, will need a lot of work, but he's got a great shot, and he's a, a very talented puck player, and he's smart. He finds these little pockets in the defense and, you know, is able to get a stick open and, and make something happen really quickly. Um, you know, and I was looking at other players we've looked at in the last few years, and I couldn't find another uh, draft-eligible forward who kind of had that, a similar profile of kind of, you know, mediocre to okay skating, but very good puck skills, uh, very good offensive skills and a high hockey IQ. So, you know, he's someone who there are players, like you know, if you look at the NHL, there are bigger players who have similar profiles, maybe a, a Mark Stone or a, you know, and I'm not comparing him necessarily to Mark Stone, but just sort of similar blend of skills. Uh, even a John Tavares in a way, although Tavares is a bit more, uh, physical, um, it has kind of a lot more strength to his game. Uh, so, you know, if Brink can improve his skating as he goes to college and he gets to the pros eventually, he could be a really good forward down the road. But it's something that he'll definitely have to work on. Sounds like a, a project for sure. Can you be small and not quick and have success at the next level? It's hard. It, it's hard. But, you know, he has enough of everything else that I'm not going to discount him at all. Okay. And and it's not that he's slow. He's not a plodding forward. He's just, you know, he kind of, he doesn't really, uh, I've, at least I've never seen in my viewings of him, him really kind of push himself to, to kind of lead the offense. Somebody else will kind of enter the zone and he'll kind of come up 
you know, afterwards as more of a trailer and find a spot and, and make himself impactful that way. You know, but he, he is kind of tough. He's hard-nosed. Um, you know, he missed some time early in the year at the, uh, the World Junior A Challenge. He broke a bone in his leg blocking a shot. I think it might have been his ankle. I don't have it on hand, but he might have broke his, his ankle or uh, his uh, cracked a leg bone blocking a shot. He's a tough player. Uh, but, you know, his real strength is just the fact that he knows where to best position himself to make an impact on his team. You mentioned uh, Isaiah Seville as a goaltender that you're pretty high on this year, and I, I was surprised. Not, I, I don't know the goalie. I haven't seen him play, so but just uh, seeing the NHL Central scouting ranking, he, they had him eighth, and they dropped him to 13 in their final rankings. Everybody's got their own opinion, though. You think he's uh, he could be one of the top four or five goalies taken? I think so. I mean, listen, I'm not going to say you know he, which exact number he should be, and of course every every NHL team will have something different. Right. You know, at the end of the day, it takes one team to really like a player to draft him. But I have seen no reason for Seville not to be a, a top goal, other than the fact that you might not like a goalie who's six one as opposed to six three. Um, he's extremely athletic. He positions himself very, you know, technically see he's very sound, and you, you can't really argue with those numbers. Uh, you know, he did miss some time. I'm not sure what the injury was, but he missed about a month or so uh, in, in, shortly after the the CH, um, USHL All-Star game. Uh, but he came back strong. You know, he did split time towards the end of the season with uh, Jake Bar- Barzuski, I think is uh, how I pronounce the name. Uh, but for the postseason, it's been all Seville. And, you know, he's not letting the puck in the net again. So, you know, what do you want out of a goal? You want him to stop the puck. Mm-hmm. That's exactly what Isaiah Seville does. Um, there are other goalies. There's, you know, there's the Russian goalie who was really great at the World Juniors, Kachikov. There's a few goalies in the CHL this year. It's not a bad draft for goalies. I'm not saying Seville should go ahead of Spencer Knight by any means, but uh, if I'm looking for a goalie in maybe the late second or even the third round, I'd be I'd be hoping Seville would be on the board. That's somebody I'd, I'd like to keep in my system and, and and watch him develop. I mean, it's he does the number one thing you would need a goalie to do. Uh, I mentioned uh, Robert Master Simone, who I had on the show. I think the first guy to the USHL I had on this year might have been Shane Pinto. Uh, and uh, at the time, I think he was still playing with Lincoln, if I remember correctly. But um, now leading uh, the way in, in, in playoff scoring for uh, the Tri-City Storm, so a nice pickup for them. Is this a guy you think could potentially be a first-rounder tweaking at the end? Um, not personally, no. I mean, I, I think he's a fine player. I just think when I see he can disappear a little bit at times. He kind of be subsumed by their offense. He has had a great three games, no question about that. And he's been a fine pickup for Tri City. I personally don't see him in the first round. I don't think he's horribly far from the first round. I've seen stranger picks in the first round that I, I've had more of a problem with. But I think looking at uh, skaters from the non under 18 USHL, he'd probably be fourth on my list behind. Uh, Master Simone, Brink, and uh, Igor Afanasyev. Okay, so not first round, but maybe mid-second round, something like that? I think that would be reasonable. Okay. Uh, anything else we want to cover out of the USHL, Ryan? Well, there was something interesting. Um, you know, is, Some people might know the USHL has, um, I guess, not exactly folded, but uh, put uh, taken away a team, essentially, uh, from right. the league. Yeah. The Central Illinois Flying Aces are uh, won't be around next year. I, I, my understanding is they're not, you know, completely 100% forever shuttered, but um, they're at least, quote unquote, temporary. They have a temporary withdrawal from the on ice competition. Yeah, that's what they said about the Indiana Ice a few years ago too. You know what? It, it's it's an interesting league. I mean, I, I've been down to Bloomington a number of times this year and in the past. They play in a really really big arena, and it's always it was always empty. Mm-hmm. 
and it was sad. You know, they, they had some good, talented players on their team uh, pretty much every year. They've had a hard time getting a good team record, but there's always some interesting talent there, and they play in a nice barn, and it's not the worst barn I've been in by any stretch in the uh, USHL. Um, but now there's going to be, I guess they'll be used for concerts and other things. Um, and they've had some good players and the dispersal draft. So basically what's happening is everybody who, um, is still eligible to play in the USHL. So they're not yet, I think, uh, below 21. They still have the ability to play for a year if they're not going to college yet was open to be drafted by all teams other than the USNTDP. They kind of, they stock their team a little bit differently. Mm-hmm. Um, and and the league, I, I I actually don't know how they made the order because it wasn't worst got the first pick, but the league uh, basically you had all of their players be uh, drafted or their rights picked up by other teams, and I, I believe the um, at least the, the selection process had a lot a lot of it to do with where a player was going to be willing to go, and whether the team thought a player would be um, would still be playing in USHL hockey next year as opposed to going to school. Um, but, you know, some of the, I think the most interesting uh, draft pick, at least from, uh, or I'll say two players of interest who um, who should be making an impact still in the USHL next year would be, there's a Lyndon Breen, a, um, a smaller forward from, uh, from the Maritimes in Canada, who had a good start to the year, but slowed down as the year went on. But uh, he, he was picked up by Fargo. And my understanding is he'll still be in the USHL next year. Yeah. And more than him, though, is a player named Stephen Halliday. Uh, Stephen Halliday is a, I think he's a 2020 eligible winger, big, big young man from the Toronto area. And he was drafted by Dubuque. Um, and I think those two are still players that are going to have an impact, but they're really everybody was, was uh, you know, picked up. Uh, like Trevor Janicki, he's probably not going to be in the league next year. He'll probably be drafted uh, in, in, you know, the third, fourth round type of player. He was picked up on Muskegon, although, again, I don't think he's going to be playing next year uh, in, in this league. Um, Mitchell Gibson, who was drafted by the Washington Capitals last year, uh, goalie, um, but ended up playing this year in the USHL, was picked up by Dubuque. I think Gibson will also be going to college um, next year. But it's, it's an interesting scenario, and it'll be interesting to see how that impacts the overall league quality. You know, the, the league, I think the USHL, since I've moved to the States and started covering the league more regularly, uh, it, it's improved year over year in terms of the overall quality of players in the league, but the depth is still not quite to par with with the CHL. With one less team and that kind of raising the the tide all around, it might provide for a more competitive league all around. And at least that that's my hope. And and you know clearly the hope is also that there aren't other markets that are having uh, this sort of uh, struggle to to make ends meet to you know to be successful off the ice as well as on. Yep, no, that makes sense too. All right, Ryan, I appreciate your time and a uh, great setup uh, for the uh, conference finals in the USHL playoffs and uh, everything else we touched on as well. Thanks for doing this. I uh, look forward to chatting again. Likewise, take care, Guy. Here's Ryan Wagman uh, giving us a, a pretty good preview of what's to come and uh, what has also uh, already happened in the USHL playoffs. Uh, some confusion when I looked at the USHL website. It seems like they hadn't updated their their own schedule. Uh, it's, it still showed Sioux Falls Stampede uh, playing Waterloo this weekend, yet uh, Sioux Falls uh, uh, won that series already. So it was a little bit confusing. Uh, somebody fell asleep at the uh, at the switch there at the old USHL. 
pretty impressive uh, run by the Tri-City Storm in terms of the awards as well. Nearly sweeping uh, all five player awards. I think you would have to consider them the favorites uh, to win the Clark Cup at this point. But we'll see. That's why they play the games. Anything can happen. All right, up next on the show, we'll have an in-the-dub segment as a Braden Sullivan from DraftGeek is going to stop by. The WHL Banner Draft is less than a week away. Get to know some of the players who will be in the WHL and uh, uh, probable first-round picks. What will happen with uh, Matthew Savoy, we'll uh, touch on that as well. All that coming up next here on the Pipeline Show with Keith Flaming. And Doc will get back to it. Doc at his blue line. Comes to center. Ducks around Leeson. In over the line on the wing. Trying to go wide around. Pahal gets in front. Shoots and scores! Ah! Oh, let's go! Kirby Doc puts hand to the ear as if to listen for the booze from the crowd here at the Art Harrison Center. But what a brilliant individual effort by Kirby Doc. And the Blades have opened the scoring in game two in Prince Albert. I'm Kirby Doc of the Saskatoon Blades, and this is the Pipeline Show. the excitement as your Edmonton Oil Kings bring the third round of the WHL playoffs to Rogers Place. And this Sunday afternoon, the heated series against the Prince Albert Raiders continues. Don't miss the pivotal Game 6 in the chase for WHL supremacy. This Sunday, 2 p.m. Edmonton Oil Kings, Prince Albert Raiders, Fear the Roar, Eastern Conference Finals. Great family entertainment at Rogers Place starts at just $22 a seat for a single game ticket. Save on day of game pricing now at oilkings.ca. You're listening to the Pipeline Show with Gee Flaming. Well, Welcome back to the Pipeline Show with Gee Flaming. It's uh, at, we're going to look at the upcoming WHL banner draft, and that means it's an in the dub segment brought to you by uh, our good friends at DubNetwork.ca. Stay up to date on everything happening around the Western Hockey League by going to DubNetwork.ca. You can do that on a daily basis and get your daily dose of the dub. Uh, all right, let's look at the uh, WHL Bantam draft, and I'll be honest, I don't watch the Bantams. Uh, I don't know the guys until they get to the Junior A or the uh, Major Junior level, so I'll get to know these guys starting in, you know, basically after the draft. Uh, but a guy who does know them is Braden Sullivan with DraftGeek. You can uh, check out their rankings at draftgeek.ca. Uh, Braden, welcome back to the Pipeline Show. How are things? It's going good. Been busy, but going good overall. Yeah, busy time of year for you guys, I'm sure. Um Let's get right to it. First off, compare this year to last year. I, I think we know Matthew Savoy is just a, a talent all on his own, but last year's draft was a pretty good one. Uh, out, maybe take Matthew Savoy out of the, the conversation for a second. How does this year compare to last year? Well, just like kind of every other year, there's guys at the top and there's guys at the bottom. Um, this year, the, uh, the difference between, you know, the second round pick and a guy going in the, in the fifth might be a little bit more closer than it is in years past, but overall, it seems like a pretty decent year where a lot of top players are going to come out of uh, the draft and players are going to win Memorial Cups, players are going to be top scorers and then you got your depth guys who are also going to fill in spots. And uh, then of course you do add Matt, Matt Savoy back into the mix and just uh, a, 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 maybe a generational talent, who we'll know we'll be talking about that more as the NHL draft for his year comes around but um, certainly one of the top prospects we've seen uh, coming out of the WHL or through the WHL potentially 
uh, in a long time. And I think most people are expecting him to actually go the college route, which is going to put an extra curious spin on the Bantam draft this year. Now, it's the Winnipeg Ice picking number one. They also have the number nine pick, so you can see them just making that selection and crossing their fingers because knowing they have a number, another first round pick uh, to make. If, if there wasn't that commitment to Denver where his brother Carter is going as well, I mean, if there was a really good chance he was going the WHL route, this would be a slam dunk pick, wouldn't it? Matthew Savoy, number one. Well, yeah, he's just, he's the best player I think the WHL has seen in a really long time. And even though he's committed to Denver right now, you can see that Winnipeg kind of set up, uh, set it up for him by training for his brother the other week. And this weekend is the first weekend that Matt, that's good to see Matt play against his own age group. And so far he's looked pretty solid. Um, I mean, there's not much to say. The guy has won MVP as an underage in every year. He's in every different age group and he's, he's all around the best player. If you look to next year's draft, you got Connor Bedard, who's a similar player who could apply for exceptional status, but he just doesn't have the same kind of work ethic and grit that, um, Matthew Savoy has. All right. So whether or not uh, the Winnipeg Ice uh, take him number one is a story uh, we'll keep an eye on, but not a question that you can answer. So let's move on from Matthew Savoy. Is there a clear-cut number two guy, or is it one of those years where it could be four or five different candidates to go number two? You know, I think this year there's a, there's a clear-cut number two guy there out in Winnipeg as well who, who if the Winnipeg guys choose not to take Savoy, they could go with. Uh, and that's Connor Geeky, brother of uh, Morgan Geeky, kind of a big stocky power forward who can do it all offensively. Still has a lot of r- real raw pieces to his game, but overall he can mix up his offensive attack and play a lot of different ways while, while remaining physical and utilizing or imposing his frame on uh, on opponents. But you know what? Uh, after that, that's kind of where it starts to get a little bit a little mixed up. But overall, I think the 1-2 in the draft are pretty well set. Well, you can see uh, the top 10 uh, that you have uh, that you put out. I think it was updated at the start of April, and I know you have your final rankings coming out next week, and I think people will be able to get that through draftgeek.ca, correct? Yep. All right. Well, the top 10 that you have listed there right now, it shows uh, pretty well for a couple of uh, teammates uh, coming up in the top four or five as well uh, with, uh, I'm going to pronounce it as Kane or Cohen Zimmer? Yeah, Cohen Zimmer, yeah. Cohen Zimmer, all right. And uh, Keaton Dohaniak, who I'm uh, I'm guessing is the younger brother of uh, current Edmonton Oil King, uh, Logan Dohaniak. Yep, yep. So a couple of teammates who you're expecting to go pretty high here in the Bantam draft next week. Yeah, they're, they're two you know physically strong players, kind of both play uh, heavy minutes on that OH Edmonton team. Um, both kind of settle into their roles really well. Keaton's kind of a, a stay-at-home physical defenseman who can transition the puck effortlessly and skates like skates phenomenally. While uh, Zimmer's more of a you know power forward who can mix up his offensive attack, has a lot of, can come at you in a lot of different ways, and kind of one of those very well-respected players when he comes down with the puck. Uh, a lot similar to kind of. Connor McClendon and the way he's able to finish with many different ways, but he's got a great shot, great puck skills. I think overall right now he, he could be the best best forward available behind uh, behind Geek and Savoy. It's such a, a challenge for me to look at guys who are listed at 5'9 and 5'10, 5'7, 5'8, and kind of try to figure out what they're going to be three years from now when they're making an impact as 17-year-olds. Uh, in the Western Hockey League, takes me back to Adam Lowry, who I think was five eight or five nine when he was drafted, and ended up being six four six five. Uh, is that a challenge for you? Yeah, it's kind of hard to predict, you know, who will grow and who won't grow. And I think over a course of a year, you kind of see a guy grow maybe one or two inches, and you got other guys who'll grow three four. But 
in general, you're kind of you're kind of betting. That's kind of the the thing with having a banner draft and not having a draft at age 15. Is that you're kind of betting on guys that guys will grow and and fill out into their frames. But I mean, that's that's what the scouts do, and that's kind of that's kind of where they get paid. Uh, Braden Sullivan from uh, Draft Geek, my guest, as we're uh, looking ahead to the WHL's Bantam Draft next week. Now, again, your rankings that you have that are just visible to the public right now, the top ten, kind of goes center defense, center defense, center defense, so a pretty good mix of forwards and, and uh, blue liners. We mentioned Keaton DeHanek. There's a couple other defensemen I'm sure you'll want to touch on, and Denton Matichek and, and Mats Lindgren, uh, a couple of guys you could see going top ten. Yeah, two guys I could see going top ten right now. You know, Lingard might fall out of that just because he's committed to uh, to Michigan. But it's interesting with those two, just how different they play. Denton's more of a, a pure puck-moving defenseman who plays very physical in his own end, while Matt Lingard's kind of, you know, a finesse defenseman with ex- outstanding skating and speed and loves to transport the puck on his own. Um, Matt Chuck had outstanding numbers this year in the uh, in the Winnipeg Top League, numbers that are very similar to a guy like Kalen Addison who came out of that league. And, if you look at Matt Lindgren, he's a kid who's kind of a little small, a little thin, but his skating is so pure and his skating is so was is just so unreal at this age that a lot of players, a lot of teams are still willing to take him in the top ten. Uh, his dad was a big guy who played in the NHL, so he's got good bloodlines. But as of right now, he's committed to Michigan, so we'll see where he kind of falls in the draft. But I, I bet on a team taking him pretty high. Another uh, guy with a last name that uh, WHL fans will recognize is Oasis Weisblatt, uh, his brother Ozzy Weisblatt, right now with the PA Raiders. Uh, taking on the Oil Kings in the uh, Eastern Conference Final. Now, he's he's small. I mean, 5'5", 145 pounds. But again, we're talking about 14-year-olds, uh, so lots can change. Uh, being he's the youngest of four brothers, and we've seen uh, what Ozzy's been able to do this year as as a rookie, do you think having those bloodlines helps a guy with his draft stock and, and maybe a guy who might be projected 15 uh, or something like that might actually go top 10 because you know what his uh, older brothers are like? Well, yeah, and that kind of helps with commitments, too. If you see a guy who whose brothers are playing in the WHL, you can kind of sit there and feel more comfortable taking him. But, like, if you look at Oasis, he's he's much different to his, from his brother. Uh, a little bit of a smaller kid at this age, a little bit of a meatball on the ice, but doesn't play like that. He plays all like Wolanski does in the sense where he just mm-hmm. attack at you in a whole lot of different ways but still has that kind of nasty streak to his game. But, uh, yeah, you know, bloodlines are, are something that a lot of teams will look at. And uh, and they're really comfortable taking a guy who who has brothers that play in the WHL or or parents that play in the WHL rather than brothers who have gone up and played in the AJ or in, in the college roads. Uh, anyone uh, from I don't know Whitehorse or something following the Dylan Cousin path this year? Anybody from outside the uh, the the normal uh, stomping grounds that uh, you expect to hear his name called? Not too much this year. Kind of just a few guys that will hover in. There's a, there's a kid Alberta Cup from Yellowknife who played at the Canada Winter Games who you know is pretty pretty good skater. Um, I think his last name is Cunningham, but outside of that, you're not going to find a Dylan Cousins. It seems like the the main four provinces are are developing the top top players this year. Okay, uh, and now when it comes to goaltenders, is that I know when I when I talk NHL draft with NHL scouts, a lot of them will have dedicated you know NHL teams will have dedicated uh, goaltender scouts. Uh, some scouts tell me it's it's tougher to assess a goaltender. Is that a challenge for you? Yeah, you know, we we kind of I kind of when looking at goalies, you got to look at goalies that have size. And over the course of the year, you can kind of see which goalies get the, the the better stars, the which goalies have you know better better stats, better mobility, better skating. And this year, it's kind of it's very wide open with the goalies. There's a lot of different guys who can go at the top, and there's a lot of different guys who can go at the bottom. Right now, for us, we have uh, Ethan Bonaventure out of out of Winnipeg as our top goalie, just with the 
just with his size and his frame, there's so much upside to him. But it's very wide open, and I, I think we could see a lot of different goalies going in a lot of different places. Could you see more than one, or maybe just a, a handful of them going in the in the top two rounds? Yeah, I could see one or two going in the first round, with Ethan being one of those. But uh, if you look back to the O2 class, there's about three or four that went in the second. I think we could see something similar to that this year. Well, Braden, I've asked you about a number of guys, but I'm sure there's other players I haven't uh, ta- touched on yet um, that you want to tell us about. Uh, who are some personal favorites that we haven't already covered? Yeah, well, just just south of Edmonton, one of the guys that we have very high on our list and we've had high all years is Nate Danielson, and he's he's probably the best top two-way uh, player in the draft. Who is an absolutely fluid skater, skates very well, uh, skilled stick, able to create offensive chances, and he's got great size this age, and then when you kind of look at who at bloodlines there, his brother uh, Noah ended up committing to to Medicine Hat this year. So I think a lot of teams feel comfortable taking him early, and I think we could see him going anywhere from top ten to top five. Yeah. Um, and then yeah, just mixing it up after that, you can, they're just out in Fort Saskatchewan. Jordan Gustafson, a real character player who plays a hard nosed game, plays well in all three zones, and has really developed his offensive game this year by um, quickening his shot release and and being a guy who can contribute on the power play. But overall, um, you know, it's, this draft is really wide open. I think there's about 13, 14 guys who people are set on going in the first round, and after that it's going to be a uh, bit of a rolling of the dice for the teams picking this in the second half of the first round. You got a guy that you have circled sort of as a fifth or sixth round type of guy. Jordan Everly was taken in the sixth round. He became a star in the WHL. You have a personal favorite like that that – we might not hear in the first two or three rounds, but uh, you're hoping to, to hear his name called and think he could be a steal? Yeah, you, just looking out at Forsyth, Jaden Jolie's kind of one of those guys who I've been a fan of more and more as the years progresses with how, how well he's able to carry the attack with fluid movement and how he how he, cerebral he is with the puck, attacking different lanes and identifying different lanes. Um, he's not physically developed like a lot of different players here, and he doesn't have great size or a great shot, but just how he moves through the offensive zone and how effortlessly he's able to get pucks to the net is just, it's, it's amazing to see. And I don't really think that a lot of teams have him pinned as a top two round guy, but for us, we have him, I think in the second half of the, of the second round, I think that, that I would feel comfortable myself taking him there, but you never know. He could be a third, fourth rounder. Excellent. Braden, uh, one more time. Well, when the list is ready, when, what day do you expect it to be ready to the pub for the public? And uh, how do they get it? Yeah, we're just going to be have a busy next week or, our final draft guy comes out on the uh, on the thirtieth, so Tuesday. Then we got public rankings going out on on Tuesday as well. Mock draft going out on Wednesday, and then obviously the draft and profiles going out on on Thursday. And all of that at DraftGeek.ca. Yep. Excellent, Brayden. I really appreciate your time. Uh, thanks for doing this once again, and uh, looking forward to the draft. I, I assume you're going down to Redder. I'm not, but uh, enjoy it if you are, and uh, we'll talk again. Yep. Sounds good. Thanks for having me on. There you go. There's the primer for the WHL Bantam Draft coming up next week, and uh, maybe we'll next weekend. Maybe we'll uh, touch on some of the results of that. Uh, I don't have appliance in particular, but uh, maybe we'll talk to a GM or something to see how it all unfolded from their perspective. Maybe something really interesting happens, some sort of massive trade or something like that. Don't know. We'll see. Thought I would just add this in as a bit of a bonus uh, during Game Four, the second intermission. Game four between uh, the Oil Kings and the Prince Albert Raiders. I was joined in our uh, broadcast booth by former Edmonton Oil King netminder Tristan Jari. Happened to be in town. I actually didn't know this uh, before, and we kind of mentioned it at the start of the interview, but uh, didn't know it. But he actually lives in the 
Edmonton area in the offseason. I, I asked him, I said, so what are you doing here? He goes, I live here. Caught me off guard. Don't usually hear uh, about the uh, the guys from Vancouver who uh, end up settling in Edmonton, but played his WHL career here, said he fell in love with the city, and uh, I guess you don't spend your winters here if you're playing in the NHL, <laughs> unless you're playing for the Oilers. But whatever the case, I thought uh, it's, it's not a, a super long interview, just uh, like three and a half minutes, something like that, but uh, good to catch up with a former Memorial Cup champion who helped backstop the Oil Kings to that championship back in 2014. So here is uh, my brief conversation with uh, Tristan Jari, now with the uh, Pittsburgh Penguins slash the Wilkes-Barre Scranton Penguins. Restricted free agent. Uh, he's got one more year on his contract, and then he's the, uh, an RFA. Could be a trade target for a lot of teams. Is uh Hard for him to uh, stick in the NHL uh, behind uh, Matt Murray, and I know they've got a couple other goaltenders there as well that are um, competing for that backup spot. Maybe a trade target for another team that needs goaltenders. Anyway, here's that uh, conversation with Tristan Jari. Tristan Jari, uh, the starter who led the Oil Kings to the Memorial Cup back in 2014. Uh, welcome back to Edmonton, uh, Tristan. I didn't know you were just telling me this is off-season home for you. I didn't know that. Yeah, I fell in love with it when I played here, and Ended up buying a house, and this is where I spend my off-season now. Nice. A Vancouver guy, like they all do, they uh, migrate to Edmonton instead of uh, staying in Vancouver. You don't hear that story very often. Uh, tell me about this season for you uh, in the uh, Penguins organization in Wilkes-Barre and a little bit in Pittsburgh this year. How'd things go? It was good. It started out a little slow for me, but it ramped up as the season went on. I just kind of took on a different role as a starting goalie and playing as many games as I could. And I think it went well, and it ended up being called up at the end of the season. Yeah, well, we only got you for a few minutes, so I have to talk to you about Oil King stuff, obviously. But when you think back of your WHL career, what stands out the most? The Memorial Cup win, the win in Portland that year? Because I know it's a different feeling, isn't it? Winning on the road in Portland, winning the Memorial Cup in London. Both awesome, but two different feelings. Yeah, obviously winning in Portland was a very tough thing to do back in the day. And yeah. the fans that they had and the atmosphere that... Portland brought every night playing in Portland I think coming back to Rexall and playing in Rexall that always helped us and gave us the momentum going back when we had to play in Portland I think it was a great experience and it just helped us in the Memorial Cup. Then of course the uh, marathon overtime game in London against Valdor a couple of big games against Valdor that year anything in particular stand about out in, uh, from those games uh, for you? Yeah it was a cool experience it was something that you'll never forget it was one of the longest games in Memorial Cup history so it's something that you'll always remember and something that yeah. you'll think back on that helped us win the Memorial Cup. Still have Tom and Jerry on your mask? I still do and always will. Now for those who don't know the story where did that come from? It came from Christian Pelz, one of the players that passed when I started as a 16 and 17 year old here in Edmonton when I started playing. He, uh, Him and Martin Gurnat called me Tom and Jerry so it was something that I always stuck with ever since he's passed. It's awesome that you've kept that tradition going. The Old Kings still have Christian's uh, jersey hanging up in the dressing room as well. Um, so from now until the start of next year, uh, you big. Uh, what do you do in the off season uh, outside of uh, obviously training and things like that? What do you do for fun? Well, come to as many Old Kings games as I can. It's uh, a fun time of year. It's a fun time for the Oil Kings as they make their way through the playoffs and then. As soon as that's over and as far as they go, I'll get back to training and do what I can for next season. Awesome. Do you know, like, when actually do you go back to, to Pittsburgh? Are you, are you a guy that goes back, like, in July or something like that? Or 
Uh, I'll usually make my way back in August, end of August, and then get ready for September. You cross paths with a lot of former uh, Oil King teammates uh, in the AHL or in your time in the NHL? Uh, yeah, usually. We played uh, Baddock a lot this year, yeah. and then uh, I always keep in touch with Kurt. Kurt's one of my good friends, so yeah. I always spend a lot of time with him in the summer, and it's always fun to reconnect with a lot of guys especially the ones here tonight now brandon baddock a guy who likes to uh mix it up in front of the net not a stranger to bumping a goaltender you as a goaltender not a stranger into bumping into the defense when you or, or the forwards uh, you guys come uh, across each other like that too yeah this year we actually came across each other <laughs> and it was funny that you say that he he always says that he's going to patrol the goalie and uh, it's funny that I'm the goalie, so it was always fun that he was out for a net. Jars, great to catch up with you. Thanks for stopping by. Oh, thanks for having me, Guy. Good luck. Uh, Tristan Jari, uh, former Oil King. Up next, we turn on the 2019 draft spotlight. Luke Bast of the Brooks Bandits is the guest. He'll help set the stage for the uh, RBC Cup and the Doyle Cup, which uh, got going last night. Didn't go Brooks's way. But I think you'll enjoy this conversation with Luke Bast next here on the Pipeline Show. Pashnuk with a fake shot, and he goes the other way, spinning a couple more spins, two or three of them. Princeton Pashnuk. Pashnuk with a shot. He scores! Far down! Princeton Pashnuk! Are you serious? Hey, it's Princeton Pashnuk from the Arizona State Sun Devils, and you're listening to the Pipeline Show. Nothing compares to the smile on a child's face after their wish has been granted. The Rainbow Society of Alberta is dedicated to granting wishes throughout the province to children who have been diagnosed with a life-threatening or severe chronic medical illness. And you can help too. View the wishes, refer a child, and donate at rainbowsociety.ab.ca or get involved as a volunteer. Having a wish come true fills a child's heart with hope and happiness. Visit rainbowsociety.ab.ca today. You're listening to The Pipeline Show with Guy Flaming. I think I'm getting the black lung, Bob. We're back on The Pipeline Show, and we're going to turn on the 2019 Draft Spotlight, chat with another player that's eligible for the 2019 NHL Draft. But uh, as most players are either done for the season now or uh, maybe playing overseas in in, uh, in the U18s or something like that, my next guest is uh, still quite active uh just wrapping up the ajhl championship with the brooks bandits getting ready for the doyle cup and the rbc cup to follow that speaking with luke bast a defenseman with the brooks bandits uh, welcome to the pipeline show luke how are you i'm good i'm doing well thanks for having me uh my pleasure to get a chance to speak with you and, and thanks for making time because i know it's i mean the uh, ajhl final wrapped up a little bit ago but uh, still a, a busy time and hectic time and uh, lots of you, you're focused on, I'm sure. So thanks for making time today. Maybe let's start with that right now. What's what's kind of the uh, the day to day process right now for you and the Bandits? Uh, I, mean, I mean, we're just kind of going over, uh, kind of going over Prince George, kind of see their tendencies, and um, but at the same time, um, we're not we're not too focused on on what they have to offer. I think uh, we're just kind of focused on uh, our game, and we're just focused on where our game needs to be going into the Doyle Cup coming Friday here. I always wonder about that because you, you don't know anything about them, really. They don't know a whole lot about you. Obviously, both two really good teams, the BCHL champ going up against the AJHL champ. So I wondered if it's more about focusing and making sure that you guys are executing your game plan and having faith that if you do, 
you're going to be victorious. Yeah, no, and we've talked about that throughout the week here. Like, obviously, we, we've talked about game one might be a little interesting. Obviously, not knowing. We, obviously, we've we've never played each other, so. Um, I mean, I I guess you could say the first game might be a little feel process for both teams, but um, yeah, leading this whole week, um, you know, we're just trying to get ourselves ready and uh, best prepared for upcoming Friday. I mentioned the uh, the AJHL final wrapped up pretty quick, four game sweep against uh, one of your arch rivals in the Spruce Grove Saints. Nice to have that end so quickly. Have a bit of a a break here before the Doyle Cup. You know, absolutely, it was, it was huge for our group. Um, obviously, there's just a few guys banged up, and um, to get the recovery, um, obviously that was that was huge for for our team. So for us to to sweep Spruce Grove was was huge for us um, going into the dual cup here to to get our bodies rested up and ready to go. Is it hard not to look past? Uh, not that you want to look past or anything like that, but uh, you know you're hosting a big tournament at the you know in a couple of weeks' time at the RBC uh, in Brooks through the AJHL playoffs. Was it at all tough to stay focused on, you know, the next opponent and not look too far ahead? Uh, you know, that's a good question. Honestly, it it is, but it isn't. Like, for me personally, it wasn't. Um, like, because I've never won a championship before. Hmm. Um, and, you know, the only thing that would make winning the RBC Cup better is just to win all three. Like, um, like we've talked about all year from day one, like, we're not just going to go there and blow the regular season out and like not earn a spot. Like that was our whole goal is to kind of prove to everyone, like who cares that we're hosting? Like, we'll, we'll get there on our own. Um, even, even if we're hosting or if we weren't. So, I mean, obviously the pressure, I guess, I guess you could say we don't have a lot of pressure on us just, um, in the sense that like, if we lose, like, like I said, like we have a, a bit already, but, yeah. um, but at the end of the day, it, like you want to win as much as you can, and obviously this year we've been fortunate enough to uh, to win a lot of hockey games. A lot of hockey games, that's for sure. Yeah. Uh, speaking with Luke Bast, he's my guest here, defenseman with the Brooks Bandits. Um, and Luke, what we like to do in this part of the show is introduce a player or introduce my audience to a player that's in your uh, shoes, being it's your NHL draft season. So. Uh, not everybody that's uh, listening right now is going to know much about you. Let's get some background. Uh, f- start with uh, where you grew up. Where are you from? Uh, Red Deer, Alberta. And do you remember how old you were when you first started playing? Uh, I think I stepped on skates when I was three, I believe. That's pretty young. Who got you interested at that young age? Uh, my dad. Um, he's He's been running a hockey school for, for over 30 years now. So, I mean, we're just, I have four older, or three older siblings. And, um, I mean, we all stepped on ice at a, at a pretty young age. Uh, are you the youngest of the uh, the siblings? Uh, yes, I am the youngest. All right, so I, I have I only have one older sibling, a brother. But when I was a kid, whatever he was doing, I wanted to do too. Something similar for you? Oh, yeah, absolutely. I mean, being the youngest, kind of got to, got to see your siblings, kind of see what they're doing, and obviously, I looked up to my brother and my older siblings, and um, I just kind of tried to follow in their footsteps there. Now, Elite Prospects is a, real, is a website that's really good for looking up uh, bios of players and stats and all that. They're pretty re- reliable when it comes to uh, linking brothers or cousins. They don't have you listed as having brothers, but Gabe Bast, I have to assume there's a relation there. Is that is that your older brother? Yes, that is my older brother. Okay, so Elite Prospects let me down on that one. but um, <laughs> we'll, we'll get to him in a, in a little bit, but uh, you're a defenseman now. Have you always been a defenseman? Uh, yeah. You know, uh, like you said, my siblings and... And I've, we, we've always been defensemen, and I mean, 
I think kind of started out as a as a kid in novice. Um, I, I mean, kind of the big joke was no one could could skate backwards besides uh, besides myself and a couple others. So um, that was kind of how I got in, uh, to play defense. It just I was kind of the only one who could, could skate backwards at a young age, and I've never looked back since. Well, it's pretty key for a defenseman to uh, be able to do that for sure. Um, Luke, did you ever like uh, as a, at a young age ever play forward? I know a lot of guys, maybe a novice or something, they have to take their rotation, play a net too. Did you? Uh, no, I, I remember when uh, often when there was a forward injury, we're short forwards. I'd always be kind of the kind of the guy to step up and play forward. Um, and I mean, as a kid, my dad always kind of stressed like, um, like he you want to be pretty versatile, like you want to be able to play all positions. You don't want to just be able to, uh, to play one position. He that was very very important to him that we we know how to play all positions. Yeah, yeah, for sure. That makes you a more well rounded player. I uh, no question about that. Um, all right, you're in Brooks now. Uh, tell me about the the path to get to Brooks. You, you played obviously all your minor hockey and and everything through Red Deer. Uh, what led you to Brooks? Um, I mean, yeah. So like you said, I played in Red Deer. I, I played Mitchell Triple under coach of Doug Quinn, and he was he was outstanding. Um. And then after that, or in my midget year there, I uh, I had the opportunity to affiliate with Brooks. Um, and I was obviously very fortunate enough to affiliate with Brooks and um, Kale McCarr and was on the team. That, that was obviously pretty cool um, watching him and his path and where he is now. It's pretty cool. Um, and like I said, it, I uh, I was fortunate enough to actually go to the RBC Cup with them when they uh, obviously it was tough losing to Coburg in the final there, but. Um, I got to uh, got to spend some time there, um, and then I just kind of fell in love with Brooks, and then uh, I haven't looked back since, and I'm still here. 31 points last year as a rookie in the AJHL in 57 games, 35 this year, so a bit of a bump in points, but in uh, 12 fewer games. Pretty happy with the way you've played this year? Um, I mean, not overly, to tell you, tell you the honest truth. It was, a, it was a tough year due to injuries. Yeah. Um, I, I ran into a lot of injury issues this year, um, but I mean, I can't really can't, can't really focus on on the past year. Um, I mean, at the end of the day, I'm just trying to win a championship. So, um, winning a championship kind of over uh, overpowers anything uh, individually for sure. Again, good attitude to have. Team success uh, leads to individual success. So, exactly. um, nine nine points in the playoffs so far. You had 13 last year. Is your role different at all, or how have you kind of uh, evolved in your two years with the Bandits? Uh, no, not a whole lot. Um, I mean, I've kind of always been uh, kind of a power play D-man. Um, I mean, yeah, like I said, my role hasn't really changed over the past two years. Um, the, like I said, I'm just kind of a power play D-man. I like to uh, like to get up the ice. Um, but, yeah, my role role hasn't really changed over the past couple of years. All right, fair enough. Luke Basta, my guest here on the Pipeline Show. Uh, mentioned Gabe, your older brother. He went to Penticton. Did the uh, the V's and Fred Harbison call on you uh, a couple of years ago to see if you'd be interested in following out there? Uh, yeah, um, he did. Um, you know, obviously there, there's some age um, issues with me going to BC. Hmm. Um, but, you know, at the end of the day, um, I felt like Brooks would give me the best opportunity Um to, to move forward and I thought I had the best opportunity Brooks and um, you know I, I don't regret my decision one bit um, 
obviously Ryan and, and Scott, they've done a tremendous job with me and my development, and I can't thank them enough for, for what they've done the past two years with me. Well, and you will be following Gabe uh, to the next step, though. Uh, University of North Dakota, uh, I've been there. It's a fantastic facility, and I imagine it, it made an impression on you when you finally got down to, to take it in firsthand as well. Why was uh, the University of North Dakota the right fit for you as a hockey player? Um, you know, obviously, to start with, with my brother, um, I've, he's four years older than me, so we've never we've never been able to uh, to play play with each other. And mm-hmm. um, there's an opportunity that that I could play with my brother, and I thought that'd be be very special. And you know, I kind of told him like it'd be pretty cool to win a national championship with my brother. So um, you know, that was pretty pretty cool. And um, obviously, that that played a role in my decision, but. Um, probably the biggest part is that I thought North Dakota was going to give me the best opportunity to play in the National Hockey League. Um, you know, I, I talked to Tyson Joseph and he said, you have absolutely anything you want, um, to succeed here. Like you have everything. And, um, with the coaches, um, with Bubs and Dane Jackson there, um, they, uh, I mean, I, I can't speak, uh, more highly, um, of them and how they recruited me and how professional they're, the program is, um, I mean, Brad Barry, um, my brother's kind of saying like, he just kind of could dad to you. Like he, um, he cares so much about his players and, um, you know, I want to play for a coach like that. Well, not just Gabe there, but other uh, guys you'll, uh, you'll know as well. Jacob Bernard Docker played against you last year. You guys uh, would have been, um, button heads, uh, against each other all season long. And, um, Johnny Taconic, another Alberta guy. I know he played in the BCHL, but uh, some familiar guys there. Uh, not just your brother. Uh, I, I should ask you why the, uh, the the NCAA path was the right way for you. I know you had CHL options as well. I believe it was the uh, Victoria Royals that uh, at least drafted you. I don't know if they still hold your your CHL rights, but was it a, a of interest at all to go the uh, WHL path? Um, I mean, not a whole lot. Um, obviously, we we kind of looked at that path and. Um, at the end of the day, we thought, um, you know, the NCAA and in the, the timeline that NCAA offers will be better for for me and my development, and honestly, not not even as a player, but as a person um, to develop on on all levels of of life. Um, obviously, the the CHL is a it's a little bit quicker of a route to get there, but uh, but myself, I thought uh, I needed the the time to develop and um, get better on and off the ice. Luke Bass to the Brooks Bandits, my guest here on the Pipeline Show in the 2019 Draft Spotlight. Uh, should ta- ask you about the draft itself and, and if it's been something you've been thinking about much over the course of this season. Mid uh, Midway rankings from Central Scouting, you're at 158. Now you're up to 137. Uh, is the draft something you've been spending much time thinking about? Uh, no, not a whole lot. I mean, at the start of the year when I kind of got ranked, um, I mean, it was obviously something that I would think about it. Um, throughout the throughout the start of the year, and then as the year kind of progressed, I just kind of tried to think about it less and less. And um, I found that the more and more I thought about it, kind of the the less. Uh, I mean, I just personally think I didn't play as well. Just kind of drained the drained the energy out of me. So hmm. um, nearing the end of the year here, it's um, no, like I don't think about it. I mean, like it, like I said earlier, my main focus is to, to win a national championship here in Brooks. I think that'd be. Honestly, at the end of the day, I think that'd be honestly more special to me than um, getting drafted in the NHL. Like obviously, um, winning a national championship this this doesn't go around very long, and the opportunity to play um, 
and to be selected in the NHL draft, that's obviously that DB very special as well. But um, obviously going to college, you have the opportunity to be a free agent. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, and you're not going to be in junior for, uh, for that long. So um, like I said, like uh, to win a national championship would be, be pretty unreal. If you don't get drafted, you still got lots of time you to prove yourself and develop uh, at North Dakota and uh, maybe come out of it and signing a, a free agency deal and you get your pick of 31 teams, maybe 32 by uh, the time uh, Seattle gets into the league. So there'll be some options. It's a good way of looking at it for sure. Um, now tell me, are there things uh, in, in your game? If uh, Let's assume you get drafted. All the uh, fans of that NHL team that drafts you, they're going to want to know what kind of player you are. So maybe can you give us a bit of a scout, self-scouting report? Um, yeah, no, absolutely. I, uh, me personally, I kind of touched on earlier on in the show. I, I like to get up the ice. And I like to uh, kind of be the fourth man on tack quite often. Mm-hmm. Um, and you know, like I said, I, uh, I, I like to see myself as being a pretty good, uh, quarterback on the power play. Um, and you know, I just kind of use my uh, ability to skate and, uh, my evasiveness to to get 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 away from defenders and make a good first pass and like I said, just join the rush and be a be a fourth man in the offensive zone and stuff like that. Well, we know you can skate backwards. Uh, are there <laughs> things in your game that you still are, are trying to focus in on? Ah, uh, you know, absolutely. There, my strength is obviously probably my number one. Um, obviously in the D zone, um, going to getting into college, I'll be playing against bigger, stronger, more talented players, but. Um, that's something that I'll have to work on. And, you know, my parents and I and my family, we haven't stressed on rushing my development as physically. Um, so, I mean, that'll just take time. And, uh, you know, I'm looking forward to, uh, this upcoming summer and trying to get bigger and stronger and, uh, making the, the next step to, uh, to get better for next year. Well, when you look at guys, I mean, you're listed at 5'9 and just what, under about 170 ish pounds, you know, 10 years ago. Probably not getting drafted or even considered, but now you get to see guys like Quinn Hughes and, and you mentioned Kale McCarr. He's not a giant by any stretch of the imagination, but those guys are finding ways to, to have success as well. Sort of, I don't want to say you model your game after them, but are they inspirational in any sense that, yeah, they can do it? So can I? Yeah, no, absolutely. I mean, like I said, watching Kale, um, that was pretty, that was pretty special. I mean, coming into Brooks. Um, I kind of want to be that type of player, um, kind of the guy who kind of gets up in the rush and stuff like that. Um, so that was exciting watching him and kind of took some things from his game and try to, to incorporate them into mine. Awesome stuff. Uh, Luke, listen, I really appreciate your time. Best of luck with the Doyle Cup, the RBC Cup, whatever happens to the draft, and maybe we'll talk to you again down the road when you're with the Fighting Hawks. All right, Kay, I appreciate that. Thanks for having me. 2-0, the Prince George Spruce Kings defeating the Brooks Bandits on Friday night, but uh, a lot of hockey still to be played in that series. One more segment to go here on the Pipeline Show. It's another 2019 Draft Spotlight segment. This one by request on behalf of Stephanie, who is a patron at patreon.com slash show. If you want to uh, help support the show in that regard, you can as well. That's the website to go to couple of bucks a month is all it takes, and you can get early access to all the interviews that you hear every episode here on the Pipeline Show. You'll get them three or four days sometimes before the general public. So in that final segment, by request for Stephanie, Ethan Keppen of the Flint Firebirds, one of the uh, late risers here 
in the for the 2019 NHL draft went from 110 to 74 on NHL Central Scouting's North American rankings. If there were a couple more months in the year, maybe we'd be talking about somebody who could get up to the second round. Who knows? Get to know Ethan Keppen next here on the Pipeline Show. For Denmark on that power play. Now McDavid back the other way. In comes Connor McDavid. Loose in front. Hey, Connor McDavid of the Erie Otters, and you're listening to the Pipeline Show. You're listening to the Pipeline Show with Gee Flaming. You don't scare me. I got chunks of guys like you in my stool. Back on the Pipeline Show with Gee Flaming. We're going to flip the switch and turn on the 2019 draft spotlight. Today, my guest coming from the Ontario Hockey League's Flint Firebirds. Pleased to do, uh, pleased to get a chance to speak with Ethan Keppen today. Ethan, how are you? Good yourself. Thank you for having me on the show. Oh, I'm uh, fortunate that you're able to make some time for me today. I appreciate it. Um, I know. Well, tell me what you're doing right now, because I know you'd like to be still playing. Um, there's only a few teams still uh, left going this year uh, in the OHL's uh, playoffs. Um, when you look back at the season, uh, obviously disappointed that your club didn't make the playoffs. On a personal level, how did you feel about the year? Um, yeah, it was obviously a year with a lot of ups and downs. And, um, yeah, we didn't have the best first half, but our team picked it up in the second half, and our team came together and... And we're glad that we were a better team in the second half. Almost, we almost won half our games. And Eric Wellwood was a great coach for us when he came along, and we're very proud to have that. So, so now since our season's over, I, I bet you everyone from our team's back home right now, just relaxing and not focusing really much on hockey. And maybe some guys are training right now or getting back at it slowly. So for guys like me, like um, I'm just getting back at it slowly. So never. Uh, never going to be sitting down or anything. Just getting prepared if anything comes up, like maybe the NHL combine, and I got the I got the draft coming up in uh in less than two months right now. So, just 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 keeping my fair ground right now. Well, we'll get to all of that uh, stuff in a minute, but uh, I want to go back. You said the second half much better than the first half of the season for you guys, and you mentioned Eric Wellwood coming in uh, as a, a head coach. Was that kind of the key to the turnaround for you guys, or was it uh, I? I'd, I'd say it's not a coincidence. Um, yeah, for sure. Um, yeah, Eric was really great to us. Like, it took us a while, like, uh, to get familiar with his systems and everything. So, and another key trait is that our team really came together and we started, we started getting good chemistry out of all of us and we started going really good together. So, another key points are like, we, we got, we picked up a few players. Like, we picked up Vlasov Kolyachanak from the London Knights, who are, mm-hmm. who's projected to be a first round pick. And we got Cody Morgan. We got guys like Edmund Pierce that came along and helped us with our, our offense as well. So, so the, those guys are pretty much key futures for, um, for the future of the Firebirds. So I think we're going to be really good for next season. Yeah, a positive finish to the year. I, I bet a, a lot of you guys are looking forward to next year and uh, starting fresh. Uh, Ethan Keppen, my guest here on the Pipeline Show. Uh, do you spend much time uh, watching the playoffs right now, or do you, you're not involved? Do you kind of put it out of your mind? Um, 
honestly, it's, it's, it's been tough watching because it's really hard to watch these teams that are still in the playoffs and you didn't really make it. But I, I like to keep along sometimes because I'm pretty interested in what's happening in our league. But it's good to learn from that. So, yeah, so I'm not really focusing much. I'm pretty much focusing on listening to the NHL playoffs. So, yeah, just a bit of hockey is not that bad right now. So, just keep my fair ground, obviously. Well, I'm, I'm sure you have some friends or some guys that you know, at least uh, on the other three teams that are still active. But uh, when one of them is the Saginaw Spirit, I, I have to assume it's the arch rival for the Flint uh, Firebirds. So are you cheering for Guelph in that series? Um, <laughs> uh, no, like uh, I'm not really cheering for anyone. I'm just pretty interested in what's going on. But like <laughs> it's 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 pretty it's pretty fun to watch these teams that like uh, that have developed really good and they built built the team pretty good so i'm just interested who's gonna pretty much win the league and it's pretty interesting like obviously seeing like the ottawa 67 going undefeated in the playoffs so far and never know how they're gonna do against the best in the west so it's pretty fun to watch well ethan uh, what we like to do in this part of the show is uh let our audience kind of get to know somebody that's in your position being that as you mentioned it's your nhl draft season uh and uh, i always open it up for uh, the audience to kind of uh, ask uh, for me to uh, get a, a player in particular on, put in a request, and your name has come up from uh, Stephanie, who is a, a Flint Firebirds fan. So for Stephanie, Ethan Keppen is on the show. Let's get to know you a little bit more because not everybody that's hearing this right now will know you and might not follow the OHL all that closely. So where are you from, Ethan? I'm from Whippy, Ontario, so just east of Toronto, just half an hour out. So, Do you remember how old you were when you first started playing? Um, I started playing when I was around four or five. I started playing on the skates when I was four, and I started playing just mini games when I was five. Okay. Who got you into playing uh, at that young age? I mean, we're all Canadians, and probably uh, it's natural for us to, to grow up wanting to play, but remember who got you first intrigued? Um, yeah, my my dad pretty much, my mom and dad both influenced me pretty good to get ready and uh, put on the skates. Like, my dad was a hockey player, and my mom was a grew up as a figure skater so and my brother pl- started playing at the same time as me so we're we're a hockey family obviously and that's that's how I got along so I, I just stuck to it well you wouldn't be the first player who uh, said yes to this question but did you try figure skating for a while then too nope <laughs> nope not at all for you no, eh? no nah, not at all just a hockey skate guy all right no toe picks for you uh, no picks. you're listed as a left winger have you always been a forward uh yes, I I've always been a forward. I've played all positions. I played on the left wing. I've played on the right wing, and sometimes I could, I've been playing the center position if if I I'm ever needed there. Or I've been playing center for a bit in spring hockey just to have fun. So I'm pretty familiar with all forward spots. So I've been I've been a forward for my whole life. So well, it's good to have that versatility though, and and comfort at all three four positions. Is one does one feel more natural than the others though? Um. Yeah, I've grew up playing the wing almost. I've always been a left winger because yeah. I have the left shot. But I'm I'm pretty comfortable on my off wing side, which is the right side. So, but mostly on the left. But I could be put put on the right if um, line chemistry is never going too well. So, right. but any position for me is it is pretty good. So I can do whatever. Now, Ethan, I know when uh, when I talk to a lot of players, uh, most of them will say, like, when they're a novice or something, uh, they might have had to take the, the rotation of, of being a goalie. You know, you draw the short straw and you have to take your turn uh, playing a net or something. Did you have an experience like that, too? Oh, yeah. I think when I was back in, when I was five, I 
I put on the pads a couple of times because it, it was always like a rotation for players. But right. I've I've had the experience before, and but I, I've never like stuck to be a goalie or something. But it was pretty fun. It was a fun experience. But I was more encouraged to be a player, and that's what I was better at. So. I I just stuck to it and, and it just went well, so I'm glad that I'm a great hockey player. Take me back to the uh, OHL priority selection, a uh, tenth overall pick by the Firebirds in 2017, uh, being taken that high uh, and by the Firebirds. Uh, what were your initial? Uh, what was your initial reaction? Um, I was really excited to be honest. Like I remember that draft year playing in the Toronto Minor Major League at the GTHL, playing for the Toronto Young Nats, like. Uh, I went in that season projected not to be like a a high top prospect in the OHL, maybe like a mid range or something. But I had a really good season. I was really happy with it, and I had a great I had a great uh, great team that had my back and great coaching staff like Wayne Primo. Uh, Wayne Primo coached the team alongside Jim Vitelli, so I got to play with Wayne's son, Mason Primo, and uh, Brandon Cohen. They're both in North Bay right now, so. It's fun. It's fun. It was a great team I had. So it led up to the OHL draft, and I I had a really good OHL Cup before the draft, and I was it was really fantastic. So the Firebirds gave me a chance, and they selected me. So wherever I was ending up going, I was going to go for sure. So I was I'm really excited where I am right now. Well, I mean, there were a lot of uh, press releases and, and clippings and things in the news about Flint and the Firebirds, and they weren't always positive. Didn't have any concerns before you got there? No, no, not at all. Like, I wanted to go there just to change around the organization, obviously, like, help the team out. And, yeah, I just want to go there and make a change and help this team out to be uh, a really positive team. Like, obviously, now... Uh, looking at the drafts right after me, like we got top prospects coming to our team now, so mm-hmm. and we got players coming from trades, and they're liking the team now. So this is good for the future for recruitments, and and obviously another point is seeing guys from Flint getting drafted to the NHL. So Flint's going to be um, Flint's a hockey city. It's going to be a big hockey city again. Um, so hopefully that goes well. Nice, good for you, Ethan. Uh- all right, 18 points last year as a rookie, all the way up to 59 uh, this year, just shy of being a point-per-game player. 30 goals included in the, those totals this year. What's changed? Uh, what changed for you from your rookie season to this year? Is it just more opportunity, maybe a natural step in a, in your uh, progression, your evolution as a player? Yeah, obviously, coming coming after a rookie season when I was 16 year old, uh, 16-year-old, it was pretty tough, so... I moved. I moved to my next season as a 17-year-old with a lot of experience, and that helped a lot. So, yeah, my opportunity came a lot when Eric Wellwood came, and he put me on the top six forwards and played me on all special teams, which is the penalty kill and power play. And I had I had a great forward group that had my back back uh, on the ice. So I played with Cody Morgan, Jack Wismer. We were a line that was clicking all the time every night. I only went into the second half with only nine goals, and I had 21 in the second half. So credits to those guys. They helped me a lot. And credits to the, the whole coaching staff and, and the whole team. They helped me out uh, to finish, to help me finish this great season, and hopefully this helps me for the NHL draft. Interesting to, to hear you say you play power play and penalty kill, and, and that's you know it's great to, to know that you have that confidence uh, from the coach. The coach has confidence in you and trust in you to to put you out killing penalties. Is that important for you to 
to be known not just as an offensive guy who scores 30 goals, but can be relied on in defensive uh, situations too. Yeah, obviously, like, that's my game. I play a 200-foot game up and down the ice. I can play any situation in the game, power play, penalty kill, and maybe if we're down by a goal, like, I'll be on the ice trying to get that extra goal when we pull the goalie or, like, we're up by a goal and they uh, they pulled the goalie, so we have to get that empty net goal and stay our ground in the defensive end. Like, I've always been a good two-way power forward in my whole life. I, I've always, like, took care of my defensive zone and carry out to the offense, so defense always first. Ethan Keppen, my guest here on the Pipeline Show, plays for the Flint Firebirds. And, uh, Ethan, I, I should ask you about the draft and, and how much you've been uh, thinking about it this year. I know a lot of guys that I ask, some of them will say, I don't want to think about it at all. It, it would be too much of a distraction. Other guys, completely the opposite. I always look to see where I'm ranked. It's a, you know, it encourages me to see where I'm ranked and pushes me to be better. What about for you, Ethan? Um, yeah, of course. Um, especially the NHL draft, it's coming in just less than two months now. And then the NHL just posted their final rankings, and I'm pretty happy with my ranking. I moved up almost 40 spots yeah. in North American skaters, so I'm really proud of that. But during the season, I didn't really focus on that too much. I just focused on to be a really good go-to player on my team, show the scouts what I can do, and just develop develop my way up to the NHL. So I'm really glad. So I'm really excited for this upcoming June. Yeah, bumped up from Central Scouting's North American rankings from 110 to 74. So potential that you could get an invite to the NHL Combine. I don't know what you're doing between now and then, but... I imagine you mentioned at the start, you starting to get back into training and stuff like that already? Yeah, um, I'm just getting back on the ice maybe just once a week and uh, I'm getting the gym at least three times a week. So just keeping my cardio up and just stay in shape. So never know if I get a phone call or not. So hopefully I get the, hopefully I get the opportunity to go to the NHL combine to learn and have the experience and be with more NHL teams. So I think that will help me with my NHL draft as well. Now you're listed. Uh, the sheet I'm looking at says six two and two hundred fourteen pounds, but that might be a bit out of date. Um, what are you at right now? Um, yeah, I'm still at six foot two. I'm just under two ten now, two oh eight right now. So okay. I've, I lost a bit of weight. I went on a healthy diet uh, towards the end of the season, and when I'm back home, so my goal next year is to come a bit more leaner and to be more faster, but still have my strength on me. So. Hopefully that goes well as well, and because the game's getting so faster, right? So mm-hmm. I just gotta, I just gotta be a bit quicker for next year if I want to play that next level in the NHL. Interesting. When it comes to uh, skill wise, is there an area of your game that you're still trying to to refine the most, to focus in on the most, and improving? Um, yeah, of course. Um, obviously, in the offensive end, like I like to work on my puck patience a lot, control the play down. Uh, that goes more to the power play and more like some down low play when we're on five on five. And uh, I obviously try to work on my defensive game as well. Since I'm a winger, I like to work on my half wall play, not to make any turnovers or any mistakes in our end. So I like to protect pucks and I, I i play a really gritty game out there and so no one never stops me i just win a one-on-one battle now i know uh come the end of june the, the answer to this question might change but uh growing up an ontario guy did you have a a particular team as a, like nhl club that was your favorite i don't know if it's the leafs or the, or the sands i know you're spending some time in michigan maybe it's the red wings now <laughs> uh, buffalo not that far away yeah. but uh did you grow up having a, a, a certain team 
Yeah, um, I'm obviously a big Leafs fan. I'm obviously a hometown fan, and so I've I've really been enjoying watching the Leafs over the last couple of years as they're building with Mike Babcock and getting all these great prospects in the draft. So hope that would be nice if maybe one day play for an Ontario Canadian team or something. But at the end of the day, I just want to be drafted somewhere where they actually need me. So uh, it was good. So excellent. Well, Ethan, listen, I really enjoyed the conversation. Wish you the best of luck, whatever happens at the draft, and maybe we'll get a chance to chat again one day. Yeah, thank you for having me, Guy. It was a really fun experience to be on the, the Pipe show, so thank you very much. There's Ethan Keppin. He tried so hard to pay me a compliment at the end there. Uh, called me Guy instead of Geet. That's far from the first time or the last time that that's going to happen. And said it was the Pipe show. That's fine. You know what? It says something about the guy's character and um, that he was trying to say something nice like that. Like it was as if it was a big treat for him to be on the show. So I appreciate the effort. Didn't stick to landing, but uh, full marks uh, for the uh, for the attempt for sure. Ethan Kappen sounds like a really uh, intriguing player for me. Uh, you know, big power forward, not lacking, lacking any confidence, that's for sure. I mean, at one point he said, I'm just lucky I'm a great hockey player. You know, uh, so I think he's going to be a guy that uh, I, I'll be intrigued to see if he actually gets the invite to the NHL Combine. Rank seventy four, Central Scouting, so kind of on that bubble about where a guy would be. But if it's uh, a request by teams and being a late riser like that, uh, maybe they'll uh, maybe that works in his favor. Anyway, that's going to wrap up this week's episode of the Pipeline Show. Next week on the program, obviously by this time uh, next week we'll know. The six teams that will be left in the CHL playoffs. The Vancouver Giants are through in the dub. Don't know who they play yet. The Ottawa 67s, same thing in the OHL. And the Roy Noranda Huskies in the queue. They all wait to find out who they're going to be playing in their respective league championship. This time next week, we will know the answer to that. We might even know the answer to who's playing in the Clark Cup final in the USHL. Because they only play best of fives. We'll know who uh, has come away with the gold medal at the World U18s. Then from there, it's the Memorial Cup, the NHL Combine, and the NHL Draft. So we've got lots still to go here on the Pipeline Show in Season 14. Between now and next week, get out and watch some junior or prospect hockey so that you and I can talk about it next week here on the Pipeline Show. Until then, my name's Keith Flaming. See ya.